Welcome to Inner Source Alchemy with Capri. And today my special guest is Jessica G and her husband Pablo as a support person. Jessica is a 34-year-old stroke survivor and currently in recovery. Um, The stroke that happened to her was six months ago, so it's still fairly new. I'm going to give a little briefing about the timeline of her life and kind of what led up to the stroke and just what was going on with her before I share my conversation with her. In 2013, she was working um, in her law practice in Massachusetts and took some time off because she was having really strange, severe headaches. Um, At the end of 2004, she moved to Miami where she took a project manager job and did this on a few weeks notice and she had some improvement at that point with her headaches and was hoping that she was trending in the right direction and she could start this new career and just this new life in Florida and all would be well. And from that time until January 2016, so about two years, the headaches got worse and Following that, she was in a really bad car accident, accident, which resulted in neck and back pain, which was just an addition to the pain she was already in with the headaches. And so she, she then had to leave her job and go on disability because the pain was so severe. And she saw specialist after specialist and tried so many different treatments and elimination diets, prescription drugs, you name it, and nothing worked. In early 2018, a doctor told her that she had fibromyalgia, which is basically an exclusionary diagnosis because basically no one could figure out what was causing her pain. She was still having major physical pain and of course the emotional trauma that comes with having to leave two careers and just living this life that she wasn't really getting what she needed as far as medical care or really recognition for what was going on with her. But she took matters into her own hands and decided to take the Florida bar exam so she could practice law where she lived. And she was studying every day and completed the application process and was getting ready to do her two-month intensive study course. And on November 5th, she, this was 2018, she went to bed early with a really bad headache and thought, okay, this is probably a migraine. And she asked her husband for uh, a drug, which is a vasoconstrictor. And then around 5 a.m., she woke up, vomited, and collapsed on the floor. Her husband came and helped came to, came and helped her and she was thinking stroke stroke and then that was it that was all she remembers for she blacked out then for weeks of her life. Her husband called 911 and the ambulance the ambulance rushed her to the hospital. Um and then in the hospital there 
a TPA was administered and it busted up a, a really big clot. And there was also a few other ones that were resolved after she was put on blood thinners. And she was in the ICU for two weeks. Um, none of none of that time she remembers. And at one point during that time, she aspirated some of her own saliva. And when they were in the process of resolving it, her left lung collapsed. They reinflated it and decided to intubate her to protect her airway. And eventually she had a tracheotomy and a feeding tube put in, but she could no longer breathe or eat on her own. She was in the hospital for another two weeks after leaving the ICU and then was moved to an inpatient rehab hospital where she ended up staying for five more weeks. And at that point she couldn't walk, eat, talk, or even sit up on her own. She worked with an amazing team of speech therapists, physical therapists, occupational therapists, and doctors to start relearning pretty much everything as if she was starting life all over again. On January 19th, she left the inpatient rehab hospital walking with a walker and breathing machine and feeding tube free without the feeding feeding tube at that time. Um, it's been six months since all of that happened. Jessica is, well, she had her 34th birthday while she was in the hospital. And when I found out about this, I've known her just peripherally through friends since we were in high school. And I found out through Facebook that she had had this stroke and it was very, you know, really breaks up the monotony on Facebook when someone posts, um, I've been gone because I recovered from a stroke and I've been doing this. And I don't remember where I was in, or at the exact time, like emotionally or physically, but of course, seeing something like that just from an outsider can put things into perspective of like, whoa, okay, this person's going through that. Like, dang, you know? And that's around the time that I had this podcast and I was thinking, okay, I really would love to talk to her because A, I didn't even know strokes happened to young people and B, what an incredible person that she's just surviving. And she had a vibe about her when she posted about the stroke that, you know, portrayed a survivor and someone that was, you know, will it working to be alive. And, uh, yeah, I'm just going to stop talking and get into this interview. I'm here with Jessica and her husband, Pablo, and thank you so much for just carving this time out to be with me and to share your story, because that's essentially what I would like to to do here today. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And as everyone listening knows, and as you know, in the beginning of this, I kind of painted the picture of what your story, as far as when the stroke and pre-stroke symptoms began, and the story that you presented to me, there was a lot of um, tandem 
connections with your career. You, you yeah. connected those two things in your relaying of the story. And I think that's interesting. Um, and I just, I guess, want to fill in even more blanks. And, and I'm interested just in my own, um, like in my own personal life. And then also what I've done as a like, holistic practitioner. I, I don't know if you know this, but I, I was an acupuncturist for a while. I'm not practicing right now because I'm raising my daughter. But mm-hmm. um, I like to, and I just like connecting dots. I just, I'm a dot connector. You know that thing when we were little, the one, two, three, yeah. and then a pizza picture. I love that game. So um, I don't know if there's going to be anything painted, but I definitely was curious about some things off the bat with what you shared. So if you don't mind, I'll just jump right into some questions. Yeah, sure. Okay. So in the beginning, um, when you originally took time off, when you were living in Massachusetts, Mm-hmm. And you were trying to find out what was causing your headaches. Um, well, you, you so just to make sure I have it right. So you were working in your law, law practice. Yep. And then you were having the headaches, the migraines, like intense things. Mm-hmm. And so you took the time out to figure that out. And so when that happened, did you have any like leads or what was happening around that time? No one knew anything. Um, we tried... Botox and all kinds of medications, but no one could say this is what kind of headache you're having. I was um, hospitalized one time for five or six days to rule out migraines, and we ruled them out, but we still didn't know what it was. Okay, and then you we're still struggling with those symptoms and I'm, I, I know there was an accident in there and you're, so if it happens before your next, so you then moved to Miami area yeah. or um, was it Tampa? Miami. Florida, Florida, but yeah, okay, Miami. Um, and you kind of seemed very hopeful about this. So you, so go backing up a little, like the law thing is very intense. Yeah. And that takes like a very certain kind of person, a personality and like ambition and drive to go through all that to begin with, right? I mean, I think, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I did four years of undergrad and four years of law school and then took the bar and everything was fine until a couple of years later. But, okay, yeah. a couple of years later after you started the, the career part of it? Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, what got you into that? Like what made you, got you into like law? Um, <laughs> kind of by accident. Um, in undergrad, I was a social work major, and then I got into politics and um, changed my major to poli sci. My mom was like, well, you know, you're going to have to go to law school now. I was like, all right. <laughs> so okay. I just, and I actually liked it. Okay, yeah, clearly, because if you followed through and yeah. did the bar. Okay, so... Um, did you have any like special specializations or were you too young in your career to, to do that? I'm not sure. I was doing mostly family law, like divorces and child support, custody, stuff like that. Okay. But okay. It, wasn't, it wasn't my thing. I okay. thought 
it ended up not being. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so somewhere in those first few years when the headache started, and I and and um, we included in the beginning, you did find a medical cause of like, you know, all of this. And I think it's fascinating that after just to kind of even jump ahead in the kind of a non-linear fashion, in the end, as of like now, your headaches don't exist post-stroke, which like, uh, really? Did you have to go through a stroke to have your headaches go away? Um, That's very interesting, but also, uh, so I just wanted to make that note. But going backwards again, um, so then when you moved, so you took the time off to kind of figure it out, didn't really work. And you did it, you had a career change, am I right, when you moved to, I feel like I'm lawyering you right now. No, it's <laughs> I feel fine. like I'm talking like a lawyer. <laughs> I have a paralyzed vocal cord right now, okay. so I, I, it wasn't always this hard for me to talk. Oh, you sound great. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't have any comparison, so I'm not, I don't think it sounds... Yeah, but um, but you had a career change when you moved down to Florida, and you were kind of have a, an air of like hoping for a fresh start. Like, were you thinking? So t- tell me about that. Were you thinking that the change? Like, what were you thinking with that? You were hopeful. Yeah, I kind of gotten things under control, like headache wise. So I was like, all right, time to get a job again and work. So my sister lives in Miami. And she found me a job to interview for. So I ended up getting it. And I was like, all right, I'll go to Miami <laughs> instead of living with my parents in Connecticut. Right. I, I came down here and I was like, all right, let's do this. And it was already for a while. I was getting headaches like monthly. And then it got really bad. Uh, it got bad again? got bad again. Okay. Yeah, like daily. Okay, and nothing changed in your, like, treatment, just kind of the lifestyle change. And you did that abruptly, you moved fast, and... Pretty much, um, yeah. Okay, and did, was that still law-related, or was that something separate? Doing project management for IT. Okay, yeah, that's, that's definitely separate. <laughs> <laughs> um, when did Pablo come into the picture? I met him at work in Miami. At the, that job that you're speaking of? Yeah, like four years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four well, years. That's that's why you had to go to that job. That explains it. You had to be Pablo there. Okay, so um, when your symptoms did start improving, like before, I guess in that interim there with the before they started increasing again. How, like I wrote my question is how did you feel when your symptoms oh no I, I'm ready I'm reading my own question wrong I'm like that question doesn't make sense I, I wrote how did you feel when your symptoms didn't improve or when they kind of relapsed for lack of better words I was like completely hopeless like suicidal it was terrible wow it's in a really bad place <sighs> I didn't know like if I could ever have a career or a life or anything and at that point, was it the beyond headaches? Was was it the whole body at that headaches, point? Neck pain, back pain. It was pretty much from my head to my knees. And that was post the car accident too, correct? Car accident in um, January 2016 was the car accident. Okay. 
And I do understand that fibromyalgia is kind of like a go-to for doctors, like especially like doctors that are very medical, you know, prescriptive. It's like they just don't understand it. It's fibromyalgia and then off with you kind of thing. Pretty much. That's, yeah. It's like they call it an exclusionary diagnosis. It's basically when you have nothing else, they're like, okay, well, it's probably fibromyalgia. But there is no t- there's nothing to actually diagnose it other than you not having anything else right except there's yeah right it's like it's almost like maybe in 50 years they'll be like oh okay but also it's like all the other symptoms that you were having like the headache isn't well anyway we don't need to go down the road but I was just going to say the headaches is that even a symptom of fibromyalgia for some people for some people not often right um Okay. And so I guess what drew me, like before I found out, uh, so I macrame a little and I want to do more of it. Um, And for the listeners, I haven't brought this piece in yet. I didn't bring it in in the beginning, but Jessica is like a phenomenal macrame artist. Do you call yourself a macrame artist? I know that some people in in the macrame world are like, I'm a maker. I'm a maker. And I'm like, what's the difference? Are you a maker or you're an artist? So you're an artist maker of macrame. And um, I remember seeing you post something like years ago and you're definitely the only person that I know that makes macrame other than like my mom back in like the seventies. But um, so when did that come in to your life? Um, That was like almost two years ago, maybe I took a workshop on it and just became addicted. It was the time and I needed something to do and that was perfect it was perfect so and so that was um so that was after your that was when you were on leave correct yes and so what did you it was macrame like did how like you were saying you were suicidal at a point so how did you pull yourself out of that um I started seeing a therapist pretty regularly like twice a week and doing macrame and that was basically it and it took like a year and a half took a while to get back like to a normal place where I could function and everything was normal except I wasn't working really right and what do you think well so my podcast is called inner source alchemy and I think I was drawn to you because I know that when I found out that you went through the stroke and you kind of you publicized it on Facebook, you know, far after your you were in it, because obviously you were like unable to do much after. That's not funny. I'm laughing, but um, I was drawn to you because I knew if you had made it to the point that you had, and to the point that you could share about it to some degree, that you must have some incredible strength and inner resources that you've had to rely on in order to get to where you are now. And that's, I think, just intuitively why I was like, I would love to talk to her because I'm, you have something special. I mean, that's horrible that you've gone through that. But. It's so weird because, like, before I was depressed and anxious and just kind of not happy. And now I'm like, I'm so happy. Oh, Why? I'm just so I'm happy and grateful and I'm glad to be here. Oh my gosh. I'm like going to cry. That's really, 
That's really nice. Um, and like, what do you think the biggest thing that you've learned about yourself, you know, through this process? I mean, and in the beginning, just to again backtrack, like in the timeline, you know, you spent your 34th birthday in the hospital, like you don't remember big parts of your life. Like it's like you almost were you were unconscious, you were kind of pulled out of your living experience. Like, I mean, how much closer to, it's just, tell me about that a little. And then I definitely want to hear what, like what you've learned about yourself. A lot of it, I actually don't remember, but seeing other people who had it worse than me, who had the same thing happen to them and they weren't doing as well as I was, it kind of made for me to be grateful for mm-hmm. what I was able to do. It was truly little by little. Yeah, and that in rehab every day, they're like, oh, yeah, little by little. I was so sick of hearing it, but that's what it was. And in six months, I mean, I'm sure it's been a long six months, but that's a small amount of time to make so much progress. Like, not that I know the, you know, what it looks like for different, but I mean, six months from now. So that's, that's great. I'm just saying, like. Were you with peers? Did you see peers in there or was it because like that's the other topic that I I know that you wanted to raise awareness of is that this can happen to young people and it's a wild thing. So, yeah. What did you see? There was um, there was one girl in my rehab who is 26 on her third stroke. Oh, but she's not doing too well she's better but not great still <sighs> this stroke was in august i think last august her last her her third stroke was in august third august and do you keep in touch with her like I, personally or you just no she's she's ventilated and she okay. can't anything i talk to her mom and her fiance occasionally okay wow yeah i don't wow. think he knows who i am or really anything Oh, wow. So she's still in, like, the depths of, like, the kind of, like, the blackout, I guess. Yep. I mean, like, this is, like, mind-blowing because I I literally didn't ever know that, like, at first you had, like, an invisible illness. And that's something that not a lot of people have, but a good amount of people have invisible illnesses, you know. And then it just kind of escalated into this something. So... It's really, I mean, it is Stroke Awareness Month. Yep. It's a lot of awareness months. Like, it's, <laughs> I'm fine. There's a lot of. A bunch of things. Yeah, a bunch of things. It was Stroke Awareness Month until, like, a week ago. Yeah. Oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> you Now you know, because you didn't have to know last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that this is kind of a tough question, but, and I, I started asking this before, but what do you think is like the biggest thing that you learned about yourself? And if you're a spiritual person, I mean, everyone's a spiritual person because we're humans and like, that's just part of life, I think. But, um, you know, to different degrees, we interpret differently. So do you have anything that you can bring up to say at this point? Um, it's hard to to pinpoint one thing, but I had no idea I was this strong. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure where it comes from. 
just um, like I'm not religious or anything, most more spiritual, but there's not like one thing I can pinpoint it on. Well, I, I think it's interesting that you said, I'm not sure where it comes from. Cause that's so interesting. Like, where does it come? Like, where does that strength? Well, Pablo, um, you know, obviously your, your support people have been vital for you as you relayed to me. Uh, and I'm sure that love might feed into it. Um, is there anything, Pablo, that you would say that you've learned about her through this process that you maybe from your outside perspective that maybe she doesn't even know that you've learned about her? No, I'm pretty vocal about many, <laughs> uh, but you know it takes it takes one hell of a person to to come as far as she has in the amount of time that she has. Uh, whenever the doctors would come in and see the progress, and I would always say the same thing. I would always say she's a tough bitch. <laughs> um, you know there were some there were some moments there that I didn't know what was going to happen, uh, especially early on. Um, but I'll never forget when I realized that my wife was still who she was and that everything was going to be okay. Um, I don't know what target audience you have, uh, or what age group you, you came to, uh, perfect. Uh, but I, it was one day and, and Jess was, was conscious at this point, she was still in in uh, in the ICU, and I couldn't figure out what she was trying to what she was trying to say or what what she wanted. She she was intubated, so she couldn't speak. And uh, at this point, we didn't know what her cognitive state was. And, uh, she was thirsty, so I, I, they had these uh, water sponges or these little sponges you could put in the water, yeah. uh, and then just kind of swab the inside of her cheeks uh, since she couldn't swallow at that time either uh, because the stroke had affected uh, her ability swallow and her gag reflex and so on uh so i got a whiteboard i bought a whiteboard because she was still able to move her right hand uh so that we can communicate and you know she can't really see so she's she's trying to write things out and she can't really write all that well so i'm like okay do you want lemon swabs or do you want me to turn down the ac and and it was just this building level frustration for her i guess and I said, you know what? I'll just get the whiteboard. I got the whiteboard, and she ended up writing, "Fuck you." <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's her. Good. Just, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, incredible person. She, I don't know. Still got her. Still got her. That that she's in, that she's been dealt. Uh, in all honesty, um, she's worked. She's worked her ass off, especially in, in uh, her acute rehab center at West Gables, uh, where, like she said, she met this young lady named uh, Olivia. Um, and you know, she really got to see what the difference, um, the difference in what she went through versus what other people were experiencing. And, and I think that really kind of shaped your perspective. It did. You know, to this day, where we wonder and we we hope the best for her and her family, because mm -hmm. we visited uh, the rehabilitation a center ago. a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and she was still there, and Olivia's parents and and her fiance. Mm -hmm. You know, they they saw Jessica just walk in. You know, Jessica oh, kind of walk. Well, I'm learning comparatively. A walk. 
can. <laughs> well, when you were when you were West Gables, you, you couldn't move. You, yeah. You couldn't get up out of bed. Uh, you you went out of there in a walker and and you just went in three weeks ago. Yeah. On your own. On your own legs. You you didn't need any support. Yeah. And uh, you know, Olivia's mom and fiance just crying, overwhelmed with joy, and looking at Jess and hoping that you know their their own daughter would, their, their, her daughter and, and his uh, his fiance would get to the same point eventually. And, you know, it, it it's crazy. It's crazy how things can change in. Yeah, you know that probably more than myself. I mean, other than death. Um, I guess the close, I mean, honestly, I feel like the closest thing could be to death to, other than, you know, facing something tragic and sudden, you know, it's a huge veil of reality gets shifted all of a sudden, a veil of like, you know, everything changes. So, I mean, we have listeners hearing this and Olivia, so we can all just hold her in our hearts, you know, and... Um, I wonder if will has anything to do with it. I mean, if the, you know, the human spirit can be capable of a lot. So, I mean, if you're unconscious, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to pretend I know too much about any of this, but I mean, to so some degree. The mm-hmm. system was, was pretty unique uh, when it came to the death. Uh, I was known as the slave driver. I would always make her do extra above and beyond her therapy. Her dad would come in and, and kind of make sure that she was as comfortable as possible and yeah. kind of undo everything that I was doing. And her mom was the happy where she would say, Jess, you need to do this, but you also need to relax. So, you know, there were, there were points in time, in time where each one of us definitely needed, you know, that initial push to get Jess out of bed and, and correct me if I'm wrong or if you think, differently no it's exactly um, how it was at the beginning i pushed really hard you know in in my opinion what from what i saw you know when you got to west gables you were a little defeated you're you're set back by the realization of what happened mm-hmm. and where where you were uh where where you were as opposed to where you were supposed to be going right um mm-hmm. a week before the mpre yeah the stroke happened the week before the NPRE. It just, uh, it's like ethics exam that you take before you take the bar. Yeah. Okay. So she was, Jess was getting ready to sit for the bar in Florida. Uh, but of course she needed to take her NPRE first. And like Jess had said, after her therapy uh, with, uh, with her, uh, My therapist. your therapist, um, over the course of a year and a half, she was ready to get back and, and make a career. Uh, come five days before the NPRE, she she had the stroke. If that's not your life path, maybe. Or how do you feel about that, Jessica? Like, do you? Okay. Okay. Awesome. I'm definitely doing it. Yeah. Good to me, that, like, that's just like life slapping you in the face, right? She got back up. She right. fought so hard, and right before she can hit that first milestone just knocked her back down 10 pegs. And uh, I think when you hit West Gables, uh, after you got out of Kendall, out of, out of yeah, the hospital. I don't remember the hospital. Yeah. yeah. She, she really started to realize, you know, she's back at 
at ground zero. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's like being a baby. Yeah, basically. where where she was ready to take this exam and then take the bar, and now she has to relearn how to walk, talk, mm. how to chew everything. Yeah. Um, and, but uh, your perspective has changed tremendously between the point you were going to start the bar there and then now, and that's probably going to make your whole trajectory in your career and in just the work you do in the world entirely different, right? I mean, it has to. Definitely. It's total 180. I was really cynical and mad before, just just angry for no reason. Now I'm like, I'll do whatever. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> You're just like the chillest, coolest person ever now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's beautiful. I didn't know, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect. I didn't know how you were feeling, like emotionally or like, I say spiritually because I mean like in your heart and stuff like that. Um, and so I'm really happy to hear that. It really makes me happy. And I'm sure that people listening are going to be happy to hear that even though your life is so hard right now on the level of like, you know, physic physical and all the other factors. Um, it's really great to hear that you've had this, what would you call it? I don't know. This it feels like, like kind of an awakening. It sucks that it had to happen this way, but I feel so much better than I've ever felt before, <laughs> like emotionally. It's good. Good. I'm so happy for you. Um, and I think that I think a good note to leave it on that is that. But then also, if you could give advice to anyone that maybe any point along the way, like struggling with the invisible illness part of it, the, the migrants, you know, any point along the way what would you give them advice um i would just never be quiet just always keep talking to people keep pushing for what you want if someone's not listening to you go to someone else doctors family whoever because a lot of my doctors were like oh your pain's not real so i left them went to find someone else just just keep Keep uh, looking for the people who are going to get you the answers that you need. I think that I feel satisfied with this. And I would like to, you know, again, thank you so much. I'm excited to share this. And yeah, and you rock and keep it up. And um, just if anyone's interested in finding Jessica, I don't know, like you started doing macrame again. Um, yeah, I'm just doing for it for occupational therapy. Totally. What a great thing. But I think it's cool to see what you create because it's sort of like a symbol. Um, it's a symbol in a yeah. sense of healing and recovery. So if anyone wants to follow her on Instagram, what is your, is it JM? JM Valentine Macrame. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you, Pablo. Problem. <laughs>concludes the episode today um if you have any comments or thoughts uh that you would like to direct toward jessica please uh go ahead and follow her on social media comment there 
or of course on any place that I posted about this podcast on social media, I'm sure she'll see it. And as usual, um, please review this podcast with some stars on whatever listening platform you're on. Um, and then you can write in a comment in your review. And if you'd like to comment specifically on this episode in some way, that's fine. And, um, I'll make sure anything that you have to say to Jessica or just in response, or do you know anyone that's been through a stroke that's young, especially, um, again, it's stroke awareness month in May and I would love to have Jessica on again in a year from now when I'm sure the improvements will be leaps and bounds. Again, it's only been six months since her stroke. And I feel that I hope that I gave her enough opportunity to say what she wanted to say. Not that she pursued me or anything to be on the podcast. I pursued her. But, um, you know, she's still working on recovery in her voice and everything. And I've never experienced that. And I just talked a lot. (laughs) So I'm hoping that the final cut and the final... um, presentation really was valuable to you as a listener and um, we appreciate your feedback Uh, thanks again I will see you and hear you or I will talk to you next time